0: Welcome to the Armour Men's Health Show
1: with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Hello and welcome to the Armour Men's Health Show. This is Dr. Mystery, your host, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Donna Lee.
2: Mm, I'm liking these compliments these days. Thank you.
1: Donna Lee is very popular. A lot of our listeners get to uh, call in and talk to her. Uh, If you do that, uh, you can sweeten her up and she'll send you a shirt. It's true. One of our amazing shirts. I really like the Make America Pee Again shirts.
2: Yeah, those are really popular. I thought they would not be for some reason. I don't know why, but they are. (laughs) Even some of our staff, who I'm sure would not agree with some of those ideas want the America, Make America Pee Again shirt.
1: It's a wonderful logo. Uh, we can't wait to put on our <laughs> Make America Pee Again um, uh, events uh, around town, uh, which we hope to have once a quarter where uh, it's uh, kind of like a prostate carnival where you right. get to learn more about all the things that we do for urinary health, not just in men but also in women uh, when it comes to their incontinence and other kinds of issues. So we're mm-hmm. looking forward to putting those events together. Uh, Donna, if people want to become patients of ours at NAU Urology Specialists, how do they do that?
2: That's right. If you want to Make America Pee Again, call us at one. 519- Two two three eight zero seven six two. Our website armormen'shealth.com, where you can see our shining little faces there. We're located in Round Rock, North Austin, South Austin, and Dripping Springs, Texas.
1: Uh, a big part of what we do in men's health is testosterone management and hormone management. And I have two wonderful guests with us today, Dr. Christopher Yang, one of our urologic partners at NAU Urology Specialist, and Dr. Billy Franklin, founder of Victory Medical, one of the most progressive and uh, forward-thinking men that I know, uh, primary care provider, and really created an amazing conglomeration of medical uh, services uh, here in Austin Uh Billy, Chris, thank you for joining me today. Glad to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having us. So uh, I thought I would uh, talk a little bit about the different types of testosterone options uh, that patients have. And uh, uh, Chris, maybe you could talk to us about like the more traditional ones. And then Billy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some compounding options and other kinds of things like that. So what, what are the most traditional ways that people are getting testosterone nowadays? Yeah.
0: So the the easiest ways, the ones that've been out the longest is probably the topical testosterone. Typically that's like a gel or a cream. And then there's patches as well. There are testosterone injections, testosterone cipionate. That's the one that you can get at your retail pharmacy. And then there are Pellets. Uh, the one that is covered by insurance sometimes is called Testapel. And then there are a couple of newer ones on the market, oral testosterone pills. Uh, there's one called Jatenzo and there's one called Talando. There's also like a nasal cream, isn't there?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nasal gel, right? That's
0: kind of an interesting one. Yeah, that's another type that sounds of weird to me. topical. You have to. <laughs> You have to smear it on the inside of
1: your nostril. Twice, so, twice a day, yeah.
0: Doesn't
2: yeah. it feel like something smeared on the inside of your nostril at that
1: point? <laughs> <laughs> we use it, but the commercials make it look like the guy's like a cocaine user because he's like sneaking Smoring to the bathroom it. and like putting it into his nose. Doesn't but,
2: sleep for three days.
1: But, but there are okay. some some different ways that testosterone can be administered. If somebody didn't want to take testosterone, what are some other ways that we can prove pharmacologically somebody's testosterone level?
0: Yeah, so we can look at their their estrogen level and sometimes if too much of their testosterone is being ten- Converted over to estrogen, we can block that conversion with, with a pill.
1: Dr. Franklin, you've been doing testosterone replacement therapy for a long time. What are some of the considerations that go into deciding what's the right kind of therapy for the person?
3: Well, I think a lot of it is what works for the person. I've always had sort of a predilection to use HCG simultaneous to any other kind of testosterone therapy. because it What keeps, does HCG do? It basically keeps your own autonomous production active Because what would happen ordinarily when you take testosterone is it suppresses the pituitary in a way that it doesn't release hormones to stimulate you to produce more testosterone. But if we give HCG, you continue to produce no matter what the kind of testosterone replacement that you use. And I
1: think that gives some comfort to to patients to know that what they're taking is not necessarily like irrevocably altering their own own physiology. What is your dosage of HCG that you use?
3: You know, we base it on the response a lot of times because... It doesn't just keep things going, it also has a summation effect and creates a higher testosterone level. So, you know, we'll use 500 units three times a week or something along those lines. Again, it kind of depends on that, the patient and, and their response. And also, it's a cost issue. Some people really can't afford it. Like you said, though, if, if someone's using the um, IM injection form of testosterone, if they don't use HCG, they're going to be turned off forever once they start that process.
1: And I think a lot of our younger listeners need to be reminded that that turning off of your autonomous system can negatively impact uh, your ability to have children. Uh, Dr. Yang, w- what are some uh, common complications or risks that testosterone uh, supplementation can have? Yeah, so one thing that you know, I'm
0: sure any testosterone provider does, is you know, we want to make sure we don't overshoot your level. If testosterone gets, levels get too high, patients can experience more anger, more you know, mood changes, and that's something that they might not necessarily notice, but their partners, their, their co-workers might notice. We also keep an eye on their estrogen level, like we talked about earlier. That can make your estrogen level too high, and that'll make the testosterone not work as well. We also monitor their blood count, uh, the hemoglobin hematocrit. Taking testosterone is one of the oldest ways to, to juice for uh, performance athletes. And uh, normal people like me and you, uh, we probably don't need very high levels of oxygen-carrying capacity. So, you know, and that increases
1: risk of um, blood clots, among other things. So we do keep an eye on your blood count. So, um, you know, in practice, I've noticed that. And, and so if you're a listener out there and you're taking testosterone... And then somebody told you to go donate blood because your blood count got too high. That's the risk factor and the complication that we're talking about. And um, uh, we do a lot of sleep apnea testing in our office because I have found that the majority of those patients that have high blood counts on testosterone actually have underlying sleep apnea. Uh, Dr. Franklin, as a primary care provider, what would you say like kind of the undiagnosed
3: like Amount of sleep apnea
1: that is out there.
3: There's a he. I'm glad you brought that up because there really is a huge amount of undiagnosed sleep apnea. And we were talking early about how sleep is a major determinant of longevity as well. So, sleep apnea is something that puts you at greater risk for heart disease, stroke, and and early death as well. But it's an underdiagnosed phenomenon, along with blood pressure. Blood pressure increases frequently as patients get older. We're talking about the over 70 patient. It's probably as frequent as 50% of patients in that age category, but most people don't look for it or test for it. And it's another thing that can cause a lot of risk. Interestingly enough, there is an association of higher blood pressure in older patients with low testosterone levels.
1: Well, I think that, um, uh, you know, uh, we've we've talked about what the general population thinks about when it comes to risk for uh, testosterone replacement. Uh, In terms of your own reading of the literature, do you think testosterone replacement increases uh, cardiovascular risk or risk of prostate cancer?
3: I actually think it reduces cardiovascular risk. Um, Although there's not a lot of random controlled trials, which is sort of the gold standard that we use here, sometimes unfortunately, because those can take decades sometimes and can only look at one factor. But I'm pretty confident it actually probably extends your lifespan along with making you feel better and being stronger
1: i, th- I think that um you know for years um, hormone replacement has been really considered more of a, a female kind of like issue because uh, some of those signs are a little bit more obvious
2: Chris, what are you trying to say
1: we're saying <laughs> we're saying that we can tell that you look old
2: <laughs> or she's a hormonal bitch <laughs> she's a in hormonal. the mornings <laughs> that's I exactly heard. right I hear you,
1: thank goodness my wife doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> Dr. Yang, what are some symptoms that men uh, might start experiencing if they think they have low testosterone? Yeah,
0: so low libido is definitely a very common symptom. Uh, just feeling more tired, more fatigue, poor concentration, um, lower energy levels all of those are fairly common for patients who have low testosterone. Now there are other things that cause those symptoms, but you know if you have some or all of those, it might be you know low testosterone that's causing it.
1: So uh, Dr. Franklin, sometimes patients may be concerned about cost when it comes to like, managing their hormones, or maybe they have some kind of you know false impression of what's going to be happening from an insurance standpoint. How do you advise patients that might be concerned about cost for evaluating and treating testosterone?
3: Well, it, it, it can cost money, and I think there's um, a tendency to want insurance to pay for everything when sometimes they just don't. But from my perspective, you know, for the price of what a moderate priced car, you know, you can extend your life and feel better and happier and be stronger. It's well worth what a car might cost. We compound our medications so that even if insurance doesn't cover it, you can get it at a reasonable price. And we, and we do some interesting mixes with our compounds. You know, we'll, we'll throw in an estrogen blocker or we'll throw in finasteride to try to help your hair with the testosterone. There's all sort of cocktails that we can create on a compound. By putting them together, it makes it a little less expensive than having to buy individual components of that therapy.
1: I continue to be amazed every day at the innovations that that you do. I mean, you were one of the first medical providers to have your own pharmacy. Uh, You have cardiovascular Mm -hmm. testing, a real focus on uh, the person, making them feel better, live longer, and uh, know everything about their health. I I really have to take my hat off to uh, uh, the the innovations that you've you've created, uh, Dr. Franklin, at Victory Medical. How do people be part of that
3: innovation? Well, they can call us at 512-462-3627. Thank you for being so generous. And what is your website? Our website is www.victorymed.com. Dot
1: com. I know that uh, our guests are old when they have to say the WWW. <laughs>
3: Stop.
1: <laughs> How do people get a hold of us, Donna? Uh, you can call if us if you at say five WWW. www you're
2: www.armormenshealth.com. <laughs> our phone number is 512 762
1: Hello, and welcome to the Armour Men's Health Show. This is Dr. Mystery, your host, board certified urologist, joined by my co host, Donnelly.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome to the show.
1: We handle everything from the nipples to the knees in our Mm -hmm. urology Mm -hmm. practice. Uh, We are very fortunate to be growing (laughs) and being able to offer uh, you, as potential patients, shorter wait times to come see us. We would encourage you to make an appointment for that primary or second opinion especially if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer or kidney stones or low testosterone or you want to have your hormones evaluated or your life improved. We also love taking your questions on the show. We uh, give advice all the time to patients who are looking for new primary care doctors or orthopedic surgeons, and we think we have a wonderful stable of excellent collaborators that we can advise you on. Mm -hmm. Donna, how do people get a hold of us?
2: Uh, First, let me say, I was listening to this radio station in KLBJ the other day, and they have a testosterone clinic where you can go right there and have your labs done right on site, but it's just testosterone. So continuing the hormone discussions we've had, you might want to consider a different clinic, but that's why we're here. Our website is armormenshealth.com, and our phone number is 512 762 seven six two. We're in Round Rock, North Austin, South Austin, and Dripping Springs, Texas. Well, we will be more comprehensive than any low T clinic that you might encounter.
1: We are very fortunate. Did to you hear be that shade today. I threw? Yeah, I hear. Right, I, right. hear I hear. Right. I, I, I didn't. I didn't hear you talk about any negative comments about pop-up shockwave clinics for. Oh, that—that's
2: the next segment. That's our next
1: segment. <laughs> we are joined by Dr. Billy Franklin, founder of Victory Medical, a pioneering primary care physician who focuses more on prevention. Then, I guess you know the other one, which is you know <laughs> <laughs>
2: What's the other one
1: <laughs> the other one the other thing, <laughs> so um <laughs> you know more and more i uh, uh, meet men who are on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to their health as they're getting older. you know what is the difference you think between the seventy year old guy that comes in that's robust and full of life on no medicines, and the guy that has has twelve medicines? Like, at what point did their trajectories start deviating
3: in their lives? Well, I think you mentioned the other ones, which would be conventional medicine. And unfortunately, we've sort of leaned toward using pharmaceuticals instead of getting healthy. And medicine just treats symptoms. It it never cures anything, for the most part, um, in terms of longevity. But we've gotten to this place where we think you have a problem, you take a medicine. And a lot of people will give lip service to things like exercise and diet, but exercise and diet can actually cure 90% of what we treat. And exercise in particular is an extremely potent preventative of disease. And people that eat right, people that exercise don't have to take a whole bunch of medication to treat the symptoms of disease because they won't develop those diseases.
1: I mean, it's rare to find a sedentary, overweight, 70-year-old man not on meds, right? <laughs> right.
2: <laughs>
3: right. And at that age, particularly, um, a lot of terrible things start to happen physiologically to those who haven't taken care of their body. And that's when disease really makes itself known in the 70s.
1: So let's talk about various uh, age ranges. So if somebody's out there in their 20s and 30s, what are some steps that they should start taking um, to think about either testing or looking for to, to kind of uh, to try to get a longer life? A longer, healthier life because we both know nobody wants to be hooked up to machines till they're 150.
3: Right. I mean, the whole idea is to have a a health span, which means not so much as just grow old, right? right. But in the health span, you're healthy to a certain age and then then you die. And to do that, (laughs) to do that, (laughs) then it's over. If you want to start testing early, I think there's a movement toward looking at early metabolic dysfunction because that's where it starts. Once you have metabolic disease, insulin resistance, inflammation, that all begins very early in the process. And that can be looked at. Um, These days, people will do things like get continuous glucose monitors, wear them, become acutely aware of what things cause insulin to be irregular. For example, you might find that you didn't sleep one night. You'll see that your sugar shoots up because sleep is very important to longevity. You'll find that if you exercise, the sugar remains stable also. And so you can use these, these fluctuations while looking at your sugar as sort of a reflection on how well you're doing toward your future and how long you're going to last. I think that sugar
1: metabolism, as you mentioned, and inflammation are probably uh, two of the biggest like, future predictors of uh, abnormal health. And, and you mentioned something fascinating. So those of you out there that are really are health freaks and really want to pay attention to your health, I, I love the continuous glucose monitor you know, experiment for a week see which foods make your, you know, your, your sugar spike, see what, again, you said sleep patterns, see if your job stress is causing you stress, to have, uh, have, have, you know, more cortisol and, and poor uh, sugar metabolism, because it's, it really is a very real-time, you know, indicator of how, how, how our bodies are doing. So let's say somebody in their 40s and 50s, what do you think are important kind of uh, in, in that age range that people need to do to kind of avoid later term problems?
3: Well, I don't want to sound superficial or cliche, but really exercise is critical. And and I think the way it got driven home for me, because I've heard it so many times over the years, I've exercised a lot myself, but it got driven home for me when there's an awesome physician who specializes in prevention by the name of Peter Tia, And he was pointing out that the benefits of exercise in terms of health would exceed the benefits of discontinuing smoking. In other words, it'd be better to smoke cigarettes and exercise than the other way around. But the ash (laughs) keeps getting on my treadmill. It's
2: so hard. It's so hard to be healthy. That's that's right. (laughs) It's a dirty place to be.
1: My cheeseburger keeps getting on my
3: my treadmill too. The dripping of the
2: cheese. (laughs) The
1: dripping
3: of the cheese. Well, and there's been so much conflicting diet information. I think people get confused. There's a million different ideas about what you should eat. And proteins probably under-recommended pretty significantly in, in the literature these days. You, you have to eat enough protein to make things work for your body. And you have to do not just aerobic exercise, but weightlifting, resistance exercise is just important in terms of longevity.
1: Well, uh, when it comes to testing, uh, you had mentioned previously that there are tests that people can take to kind of understand, you know, and and these may not be offered by a traditional primary care physician. What what do you guys do at Victory Medical that could be considered kind of next level testing for factors that might impact longevity?
3: Well, well, we used to do things like the GSP, which is a real sensitive test for um, glucose irregularity. But now I think the continuous glucose monitor is going to be what we start going to. There's also some, some ways to test if you're in the zone of exercise that really puts you in a preventive mode. You have to reach basically... Zone two for a certain period of time or zone three for a shorter period of time what does that mean it's about how hard you're exercising and it's different for each person to reach their sort of peak exercise is it managed by is it measured by o2 or is it managed by blood
1: pressure how do you know what zone you're in it, it's by o two okay so so when you um, are your heart rates at a certain rate uh, then when your o2 kind of your, the use of oxygen is a certain rate that gets you into a, a higher rate of exercise, so a brisk walk would get you into what kind of zone you say:
3: that'd be well it depends on how fast you walk mm-hmm. it depends on the person too because uh, people respond differently for example you know an Olympic athlete briskly walking isn't going to be doing very much exercise right but if you're a completely sedentary person and you go brisk walk, that's a heavy amount of exercise and so there there are actually tables to calculate whether you're in zone two, which would be moderate exercise you know, like Riskly walking or jogging versus running, which might put you into a zone one. Reaching your actual peak exercise gives you like more credit if you're physiologically or young enough capable of exercising to that degree. You get sort of more lifespan credit for doing that as well. But not you have to do it to a certain amount of time. There's studies that have been really actually carefully performed that can suggest the degree of exercise and how how much of an impact it make on your life and health.
1: So as a primary care provider, you've, pro- you've probably seen so many people as they're aging just on so many medications. I feel like a lot of the patients that I see just feel resigned to the fact that they're going to be taking all these things forever. And don't try to make any effort to try to get healthier and get better. And that's always a little disconcerting. Do you think it's reasonable for me to continue to tell my patients that if they started eating right and exercising, that maybe they could lose some of those medicines?
3: Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, it's not just patients that are resigned to that. It's physicians too that are resigned to that. And the reality is you can get most people off their diabetes medications and most people off their hypertension medications. In terms of primary care, that's what we see masses of. And the the reality is not ever getting to the point where you need those medicines is the key to prevention. That's a super healthy seventy year old
1: I think that uh, too often patients think that getting a preventative medicine doctor is going to be way too expensive or well out of their reach and that these kinds of things are only for other people. But you've created a practice in which that is not true. I mean, you see everyone, you take almost all insurances, and your approach, I think, to primary care is something that's filtered down to the tremendous providers that you have. So uh, I really congratulate you on uh, all that you've done. How do people become patients of Victory Medical?
3: Well, you just have to call us up. (laughs) 512-462-3627. I always
2: want to jump in and go, 462-DOCS.
3: 462 docs. <laughs> and, and
1: you know, don't sell yourself short when it comes to your doctor. If if, if they're not doing what you think is um, next level care for you, then you need to find somebody else. And that's something that we agree with uh, time and time again. Donna, how do people get that next level urologic here with us?
2: That's right. You can call us at 512 Our website is armormenshealth.com. We're in Round Rock, North Austin, South Austin, and Dripping Springs. And don't forget to listen to our podcasts wherever you listen to free podcasts.
3: The Armor Men's Health Show is brought to you by NAU Urology Specialists. For questions or to schedule an appointment, please call 512-238-0762 or online at armormenshealth.com.